The Nick Abbott Habit. That sound you hear is the people of Great Britain trying to whip up what could pass for a mild interest in Prince Harry and Princess Sparkles getting engaged. Has anyone called them Hazza and Mega yet? Or can I claim that for myself? If you pick up a paper, you can read about it on pages 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 and 7 and a special pull-out-and-throw-away colour supplement inside. You can practically smell the desperation of the press as they try to make this into something that we care about. But the truth is, it's not 1981 anymore and we've moved on. I think the royal family is like religion. It's only old people that are interested anymore, and by and large, no respect to Hazard and Sparkles, but they aren't exactly very interesting in the current climate. We've got sex scandals up to our eyeballs, we've got TV stars dressing as porno stars, we've got the Kardashians doing whatever the hell it is they do. There's an out-of-control, egomaniacal, infantile ape in the White House, and set against that, the royals just don't cut it anymore, with anyone below the age of retirement. We just don't care much anymore, but the newspaper people see pound signs in their eyes, so expect an avalanche of coverage about every little thing they do. At least it'll make a change from Justin Bieber's tattoo collection and whoever is on Strictly Come Baking. And Megan Sparkles better hang on to something firm because the press in this country isn't like the press in the States. She's going to get the monstering of her life. It'll be, she's pushy, a gold digger, she's half black. She once had sex with someone she wasn't married to, she's half black. She talks too much, eats with her fork in her right hand, she's half black. Didn't curtsy down low enough when she met someone above her in the food chain, she's half black. I'm sure we miss them well, but uh, really, who cares? There's more important stuff to think about, like the future, wealth and health and happiness of us poor dopes who pay for them to enjoy their fairy tale lifestyle. And this country needs our close attention, because we aren't doing that well. And we're told that the reason that this country of ours is not doing as well as it could do is that we are apathetic and lackadaisical. That's not people of low value like me. Who cares if I'm idle and indifferent and lethargic? No! The people that are accused of being listless, corpulent, weary, wobbly and unindustrious are the people that run our industries. Our industrialists are unindustrious. And which person of great youthful vigour said that, I bet you want to know? Well, big problem, huge, because it was the man whose job is promoting British business abroad who says that Britain's businesses are fat and lazy. With promoters like that, who needs enemies? It's Liam Fox, the International Trade Secretary, who said that. He accused companies of not wanting to export their goods abroad because they can't be bothered. He said the reason we're trailing behind our main competitors is that people running Britain PLC are not looking up past their bellies to foreign markets. Must do better is the mark on our report card. One reason we lag behind our colleagues in Europe and the Far East and America and pretty much everywhere else that makes stuff is that we are terrible at spending money on the future. Those with the cash just don't want to spend it on anything but themselves. Our research and development budget is tiny compared to the amount of money our businesses have at their disposal. And short-termism is to blame here, as it is with much else that ails us. British companies put too little effort into training workers in the right skills because companies aren't interested in investing in the long term. They're more interested in investing in the people that run them in the short term. The amount we spend on research and development puts us 14th on the list of countries in Europe. Not on the list of countries in the world, but in Europe. Hell, I bet you couldn't name 14 countries in Europe. Go on, pause this podcast and try. I bet you a million billion pounds you can't do it. Terms and conditions apply. Always read the label. Do not operate any heavy machinery. Offer not available. 
I looked it up. According to the 2015 Eurostat yearbook, which is excellent reading if you really need to go to sleep immediately, going by gross domestic expenditure by country, the fifth biggest economy on earth, us, is only the 14th most forward-thinking country on this continent. Wouldn't it be good to know where our workers lack skills? Well, nothing important. Just verbal, cognitive reasoning, social and complex problem-solving skills and maths, sciences, technology and engineering. Which sounds like everything. We're lacking skills in everything. And the problem is getting worse as companies cut back their already pitifully small training budgets. They will not, of course, be cutting their management remunerations because, you know, they're worth it. The Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development said skills mismatch is very high in the UK compared with other countries. They said that it's the responsibility of employers to train their workers in the skills they need. Well, duh. You don't need to be an expert to figure that out. Employers should be training their staff. They seem to be able to manage it in Germany and France and Italy and um, Belgium and uh, France. No, wait, I said France. Oh, I don't know, ten other European countries I can't think of the names of right now. But if chief executive officers and managing directors spend money training their workers or planning for the long term, that's less that they can award themselves in bonuses in the short term. They're bad CEOs and they're bad MDs, and the OECD says BS to anyone who says they're not. This is all highly alarming, because in a very short period of time, a robot is probably going to take your job. So you will need to be highly skilled for the jobs of the future. Because simple jobs, and some quite complicated ones, will be terminated by a computer chip. And the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development insists this is not a new problem. They said we could have been talking about these issues 30 or 40 years ago. And if you want to be really pessimistic, they said, you can go back to the 1890s when people were talking about the same sorts of issues in the UK. Struth! British business has had over 120 years to address this problem and they've done absolutely nothing about it. Perhaps management has been busy. Busy flipping through What Yacht magazine. They're not very good managers. But the problem is that they don't know they're not very good. Like everyone thinks they're a great driver, even if they shouldn't be allowed to drive a nail into wood. That's part of the human condition. We rate our performance as exceptional, even when, if our performance was a horse, it'd be shot in the head just to put it out of its misery. And bad managers stand in the way of increasing productivity, and that stands in the way of you earning more and increasing your standard of living. And once again, this isn't me saying this, it's an actual real-life expert, so naturally no one is remotely interested in what he's got to say. It's Andy Haldane the Bank of England's chief economist, who says that most companies are performing badly and they don't even realise it. He said most firms believe they are highly productive. And like a stoned pedestrian staring into their phone as they walk into the road, they have no idea of their own perilous predicament. Managers of these companies think they're doing a splendid, bang-up job, even when their productivity hasn't gone up for 20 years. Even Stevie Wonder could see that's not right. And it would be OK if it was only affecting those managers personally. But these dopes are dragging us all down. Part of the reason that they haven't folded, that they haven't been ripped apart by predators like some poor fluffy animal on the David Attenborough show, is that the really low interest rates we've had for the past ten years have been propping them up. 
companies that should have gone to the wall, been swallowed up by better companies that would have used their assets and their staff more efficiently for the benefit of us all, have survived. Because the money they borrowed has been at virtually no interest rate at all for ages. While newer companies that are thrusting and go-getting haven't been able to rise up because the lending taps were switched off by the banking racket after the recession which they caused. Badly run companies have been kept alive like a patient in intensive care. It's just that they don't know they're in intensive care. They probably think they're in a resort hotel with bad food. They're called zombie companies. Ones that should be lifeless and buried but are still on their feet, shuffling about the place, tying up factories and plant and people that should be doing better, but are stuck following some old goat in the big office who doesn't know what they're doing. But it's worse than that. It's not only business that's not run as efficiently as it could be in this country. Sadly, we are being led by politicians who have no idea what they're doing. The reason that nothing appears to work in this country is that we are being run by incompetence. We've got a government that is disorganised and disjointed like a pile of broken Meccano bits. And our ministers are mediocre. But that's not me saying that. It's the people we are engaged with in the tricky task of extricating ourselves from the European Union without actually parting company on bad terms and flouncing out the door with nothing to show for it. And we know they think that because of a leaked document that recorded their feelings. We were never supposed to see that paper. That's why they wrote what they thought. As any jobbing plumber would say, thank goodness for leaks. This latest leak is of a confidential internal Irish government document that demonstrates the true feelings of top European officials who describe Boris Johnson, the Foreign Secretary, as unimpressive and our government's performance in the Brexit negotiations as chaotic and incoherent. Mrs M's unhappy gang, chaotic. Bozo of the FO, unimpressive. Yeah, that sounds about right. This super-secret but now highly public document also says that EU officials bemoan the quality of politicians in Westminster. Oh, no! Bemoaners! Irish embassies across Europe at the start of November shared their thoughts and experiences on how Brexit was going. They wrote those thoughts down. And now we know that the Czech Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs told officials that he felt sorry for British ambassadors around the EU trying to communicate a coherent message when there is political confusion at home. OK, this is getting embarrassing. Now the Czechs are feeling sorry for us. Pretty soon Zimbabweans will be sending us care packages and advice on forming a competent government. Those Irish documents also illuminate what goes on when our top Brexiteer goes on his travels. It said that Brexit was barely mentioned during a meeting between David Davis and French ministers. Barely mentioned? What do they talk about? What wine to have with lunch? And which language are they talking it in, by the way? I bet David Davis doesn't do French. Like a typical Brit abroad, I bet he walks up to Johnny Foreigner and starts talking English at them, loudly, expecting them to switch from their own language because we're British and we don't talk foreign. Puh! Still, I'm sure that everything will work out for the best, because regardless of how the negotiations go, we still boast to some of the most highly skilled workers in the world. That very same Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development said so. And it would be great if they'd stopped there. But they then said that we are highly skilled in all the wrong things. We may ace our exams and have enough diplomas to wallpaper a gymnasium, but the skills we possess don't match the positions available. They said that as many as 40% of workers are either overskilled or underqualified for their jobs. Now, I know the government is not run by people who are overskilled. 
And if we can agree they are not perfectly suited to their task, that leaves us with just one other possibility. Underqualified. Now we know. And now, road news. Last month, a man was pulled over by two officers after he was seen driving erratically in his Vauxhall Zafira at one in the afternoon in Leicester Town Centre. He was 38 years old, which is an age at which he should have known better than to do what he did next. Oh, he was drunk all right. You'd be surprised if he wasn't at one in the afternoon. He was almost twice the legal limit for alcohol in his bloodstream before most people had stopped for lunch. So naturally the officers handcuffed him and put him in the back of their police car before going back to this bloke's car to have a wee chat with his two passengers. And while they did that, the man in the police car, in handcuffs, clambered into the front seat of the police car, locked the doors and drove off. Sped down a couple of main roads, turned into a street on the wrong side of the road, careered across a traffic island, clipped the curb and collided with two stationary cars, the drivers of which suffered whiplash. I tell you, he should suffer whiplash and I'd be prepared to administer it too. He'd be saying, thank you, sir, may I have another? So this fellow ran off, but as he was drunk and in handcuffs, he didn't get very far and he was re-arrested. And when the case got to court, he could not appear in person because he was on remand from an earlier hearing where he admitted driving with excess alcohol, driving with no insurance, driving while disqualified and aggravated vehicle taking. And has previously been convicted of driving while disqualified six times, driving with no insurance five times, driving with excess alcohol three times and dangerous driving once. But apart from that, he's a model citizen. For the benefit of the human race, it's a good job he hasn't passed any of those genes on. Oh, no, that's right, he's had seven children. And what was the excuse he gave for his behaviour on this occasion? Well, he explained that it was an unforgivable lapse and he takes full responsibility. Just kidding. He said it was the officer's fault for leaving the keys in the car and he said he crashed because it's really difficult driving in handcuffs. The man was jailed for a total of 16 months and will probably be out in eight. That'll teach him. Meanwhile, in Mansfield, a 60-year-old was banned from driving for 12 months for a number of traffic offences and immediately walked shamefacedly from court to catch the bus home. Again, just kidding. He heard from the judge that he was banned from driving for a year, left the court, got into his car and drove home. Meanwhile, the magistrates had repaired to their relaxation suite to congratulate themselves on keeping the public safe. It was a room which had a view from their window of the car park, so that they could watch in disbelief as a man they'd just banned from driving got into his car and sped off minutes after they'd told him not to. So there was a subsequent hearing at which the man said, It weren't me. I ain't done nothing. I'm not making that up. He actually said that it wasn't him doing the driving, that it was someone else. But as the magistrates had seen him drive off with their own eyes, who were they to believe? Themselves or the dope in the dock in front of them? The lawyer in court said that his actions were idiocy at its best. That was his own lawyer, by the way. The person that was being paid to defend him used that as a defence. Please forgive him, Your Honour. You see, my client's an idiot. He was ordered to pay a £115 victim surcharge and banned from driving for 57 weeks. And I'm sure he'll stick to that, because why wouldn't he? In other stupid moron news, this time from America, four suspects were arrested this week for stealing four Tesla cars from a dealership in Utah. Tesla are those cars that were invented by Elon Musk. 
the man that's going into space to colonise Mars and going underground to build tunnels that will shoot trains between cities at 600 miles an hour, as well as being the man that the Iron Man film character is based on. Those Tesla cars are electric and were called Tesla after Nikola Tesla, the inventor of a lot of electric stuff that I can't be bothered to look up because I probably wouldn't be able to understand it even if I did. So these four were caught red-handed, trying to steal four Tesla cars, and when the police asked what the blooming flip they were up to, one of them looked at the Tesla badge on the car and came up with this excuse on the spot. He said, not to worry, officer. They were members of the Tesla family, and Mr Tesla had given them the cars. That one tried to outrun the police, but the battery in the car that he was trying to steal hadn't been charged, and he slowed to a graceful stop mid-chase. One of them said that a Tesla family member had died and had left them the cars in his will. Another one said that someone he didn't know had given them the cars for free. And another said that when he got to the dealership, it had already been ransacked and he thought that it would be legal to take one of the cars because the police hadn't shown up yet. Meanwhile, in Washington State, a man and a woman were in a car crash with their baby in the back seat. They missed a curve, careered off the road and smashed into a tree. The police think that a contributory cause of the accident might have been that the man driving and the woman passenger were having sex at the time. You will be relieved to know that the man and the woman suffered only minor injuries and the baby in the back seat was completely unharmed. But sadly, it is the product of the two morons in the front, so its future is under something of a cloud. I would arrest it now to save time later. Maybe its parents were stoned at the time. If it had been in Nevada, that might have been more of a possibility. Because while we in Britain have been going shopping berserk about Black Friday offers, in Nevada they've had their first ever Black Friday deals in pot shops. Recreational marijuana doesn't seem like the sort of thing you would need a special offer to sell, but that's exactly what they're doing. One shop said its products were great stocking stuffers, as it said that the first 250 customers through its doors would get a free one gram pre-rolled for their convenience with every $25 spent and another was offering one free 10-pack of fruit-chew edible marijuana sweets per customer with every purchase. The bargains are out there, you Nevada stoners. All you have to do is remind yourself to remember to go and get them. Tape a note on the pizza delivery menu. You're bound to look there. And I shall return Friday and Saturday night at 10 on LBC. Meanwhile, please investigate all of the books what I have written. There's a new one coming shortly, but the ones that have been available are still available at an internet near you on the Kindle site from Amazon. And back here for the Christmas podcast, mid-December, just in time for Christmas. And until then, I appreciate your attention. A Big Things Media production. Big Things!